The preceding message is brought to you by Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. Stay tuned after this message for more information about Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. Help me appreciate your neighbor to your left and to your right, and then you can be seated. Glory be to God. I want to quickly get into the teaching this morning. I want to bring this series on prosperity to a close. I told you there's one more aspect I want to share. It's a very loaded service this morning. It's a Thanksgiving service, so we're going to take some time to rejoice before God and thank Him. How many people are grateful to see another month end? You are thankful. Wave your hand and just wave your hand to Jesus and appreciate Him. It's the end of the ninth month of the year. Can somebody shout hallelujah? Glory be to God. And then we are stepping into the last quarter of the year. Can somebody just leave the hands one more time and say, praise the Lord. So we have a lot to be grateful for. Hallelujah. And of course, tomorrow is Independence Day. Um, we just want to remind ourselves again and celebrate God for our country. Remind ourselves we are Nigerians, celebrate God for our country, Nigeria. So we have a drama presentation towards the end of the service. Creative X has something to present just to get us all excited about Nigeria. Amen. Open your Bibles with me. Let me um, go on from here this morning. Let's go to the book of, hallelujah, Matthew chapter 18. Matthew 18 verse 21. Um, we've been teaching on prosperity, and I prophesy over your life again that you will prosper beyond how far you've ever prospered in the name of Jesus. I decree that this is the least you will ever be in the name of Jesus. You will go from glory to glory. I decree your story will be like Isaac. You begin to prosper, you continue to prosper until you become very prosperous and people begin to envy you. Glory be to God. And we zeroed in on a very particular aspect of prosperity, which we called stewardship prosperity. And the core of what we shared is that one vital way to prosper in the kingdom of God is to think like a servant. That's what Jesus taught. The person that will be greatest among you must be the servant of all. I don't think many of us have really grasped the revelation behind stewardship like the Bible teaches it. You know, Romans 12 says we should not be conformed to the world. It's very easy to be conformed to the environment you are living in. In this world, you don't prosper by humbling yourself. And this is where you and I need to be very careful. We are in this world. We are not of this world. We are of another kingdom. This world has a way of prospering. It's not by making yourself a rogue and a servant to other people. But the problem with this world's prosperity is fake prosperity. We touched on that during the week. Luke 16. Jesus said um, there are true riches. It means there are fake riches. And if you are not careful, what you may be enjoying or what you may be pursuing may be the fake one, unrighteous mammon. Anyone that limits their prosperity to just money or what money can do for you, listen to how Jesus described it in his teachings, unrighteous mammon. Knowing fully well you need money, we are not saying you should not have money. You are going to need money. You need to have money in your life. But it is not the real thing. Say with me, I want the real thing. And the Bible reveals to us how we can get the real thing. So we taught extensively on you being a servant. God spoke to us at the middle of the year. I'm going to give you speed. I'm going to give you promotion. I'm going to give you explosion. Serve me. And I'm so glad I'm seeing a number of people getting into one aspect of service or the other. That is beautiful. Again, I want to encourage you, if you are not yet connected to serving God in one capacity or the other, church is a good place for you to start training yourself in that regard. Look for a small group in church. We have at least five different small group platforms that you should be able to find at least one that you can function in. 
one of them caters for things that are not um, related to church. So if your own interest is outside church, it's an open field. Find somewhere where you can begin to serve consistently. And as you are serving, begin to apply these principles that Jesus taught. Don't have a plan to prosper just based on the world's way of prospering. Ah, I'm going to go to school, get an education. Hey, I'm going to get a job. I'm going to be earning salary. I'm going to do investments. I'm going to do you. There's nothing wrong with those things, but those things will only give you unrighteous mammon. An unrighteous mammon will forever be limited. Hallelujah. Praise God. Okay. So, we, we've said many things. I can't cover that this morning because I have very little time. But we came to three things Jesus taught about stewardship and prosperity that is important. Number one, Jesus taught us to steward life. The first thing God has given you is life. And what God expects you to realize is that that life is not your own. It belongs to God. You are a servant of God in this regard. Yes, you are a son and a daughter. We are not knocking down the New Testament revelation. But even under the New Testament, God expects his sons and his daughters to live as stewards. So you steward life. We talked about that. Number two, last Sunday, we talked about stewarding talents. That's a very, very common thing um, Jesus taught. If you are not, he gave somebody a talent, the person didn't do anything with it. And thirdly, which is what I want to talk about today, is you steward relationships. And all these things can affect your prosperity. Matthew 18, glory be to God, verse 21, and if you, if you start reading from verse 15, Jesus talked about dealing with a brother that sins against you. So the context here is how you relate with your brother. Hallelujah. He said, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. If he doesn't listen, take another brother to talk to him. If he still doesn't listen... Take the elders of the church. And if I, after that, if he refuses to hear them, then leave him alone. Look at verse 18. Maybe we should start from that because we're going to come back to this later on. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. If you conduct your relationships like this, you are that person that wants to make peace. You are not a troublemaker. What you bind on earth, this is the same thing we talked about. Um, I will give you keys of the kingdom. What you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. What you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Verse 19, again I say to you, if two of you agree or not as touching anything, that they ask. You see, all these things are, this is how you prosper. Having heaven on earth. Hallelujah. Having answers to your prayers. Whatever you, um, what you agree on earth, um, concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Verse 20, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. They are expressions and manifestations of God when brethren dwell together. Psalmist talked about that. Oh, how sweet and pleasant when brethren dwell together. So relationships is vital. And that's why Jesus was teaching us to mend relationships. When there is offense, he said, it's impossible for offense not to come. Somebody may very well have done something that annoyed you this morning. But when you understand that you prosper in the context of relationships, I, I said this earlier in the, in the teaching, we, we prosper in the context of our relationship with God, so we must define our relationship with God very properly. Hallelujah. Know that you're a child of God, know that you're a worshiper of God, know that you're a servant of God, and live out in the context of that relationship. That's how you will enjoy prosperity. In the same vein, we prosper in the context of our relationships with men. So both our vertical and horizontal relationships are important. Glory be to God. Luke 6.38, I believe he said, men will give unto your bosom. Give it, we give it unto you, good measure, press down, shaking together. But he said, it is men that will give unto you. Hallelujah. God will still use men. And that's what is behind what is being taught here. Can somebody shout a loud amen? amen. So after Jesus said all that, Peter now said in verse 21, how many times will my brother forgive me? You know God, there are some very stubborn brothers. And to their surprise, Jesus said, up, Peter said up to seven times. He said, I mean, by the time somebody does something wrong for me, first time I warn him, 
He didn't listen. Second time, he didn't listen. After the seventh time, I should just condemn him. Glory be to God. And then Jesus told this parable. Hallelujah. Jesus said, I do not say unto you, verse 22, up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven, 490 times. And the point there is forever. Glory be to God. Keep forgiving him forever. Nobody is going to offend you 490 times in one day. You yourself, by the time the person reaches 100, just leave the person in the cage and go and stay in Lekki for the rest of the day. Then tomorrow you come back and you start again. Nobody's going to offend you 490 times <laughs> in a day. But watch what he now taught. Verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven, hallelujah, is like a certain man who went to settle accounts with his servants. And if you are familiar with this story, um, when he began to settle accounts, there was one that owed him 10,000 talents, and the master forgave him because he could not pay. And when that servant left, he found a fellow servant, verse 29, um, so, uh, verse 28, sorry, that owed him 100 denarii, far lower than what he was owing his master. And that one too could not pay, and rather than forgiving that fellow servant, like the master forgave him. And please understand what is teaching here in the parable. God is the master. We are the servants. Your brother is a fellow servant. And he's using this concept of stewardship to describe how we should function in our relationships. Hallelujah. We are to steward relationships. Serve one another in our relationships. All kind of relationships, not just church relationships. Tell your neighbor, all kind. All kind. Hallelujah. So you know the story, he did not forgive that servant. And the Bible said, verse 21, when his fellow servants saw what he had done, they were very grieved and they told their master, hallelujah. Verse 32, the master said, ah, and called the servant, you wicked servant. We talked about that on Wednesday, wicked. Two, two things when we were talking about Jesus and the talent. He said there were two things wrong with that one talent guy. Number one, he was wicked. Number two, he was lazy. And we took the Bible definition of wickedness and laziness. You see, if you don't think like heaven thinks, the Bible calls you wicked. It's not wicked like we use it in our everyday language. You need to be careful about that. So we're not saying you drop the baby inside boiling hot oil. How many of you know that that is wicked? That is in our everyday language. But in kingdom language, wicked is when you don't think like this. When you can't forgive your brothers when they hurt you. And what Jesus is telling you is that, look, you are not stewarding the relationship God has given you well. And it will affect your prosperity. So what happened to that servant? Before he refused to walk in forgiveness, it was a, his debt had been cancelled. And when the master found out that he did not work in forgiveness, his debt was reinstated. I prophesy debt will be cancelled in your life in Jesus' name. Yeah. Hallelujah. That's prosperity. And this is how Jesus ended the parable. So my heavenly father, verse 35, will also do for you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Praise the Lord. Are you seeing something powerful here? I can't hear you. Are you seeing something powerful here? Quickly, let's look at another parable. I want to just share three parables of what Jesus taught here. Look at this one. Luke chapter 17. Glory be to God. Tap your neighbor and say, steward your relationships. Steward your relationships. And what are we saying? Learn to serve other people that you have relationship with. Learn to relate with, with other people. It's the, the way Jesus describes stewardship, it's amazing. Even down to forgiving other people when they've done something wrong to us is using that as a form of serving people. It, it, it's such a broad thing. In, in our own limited definition of what it means to serve, we think it just comes to church and then you, you act as an usher. No, it goes beyond that. Goes beyond that. Glory be to God. So Luke 17, praise God. Again, read the backdrop. Jesus had um, 
I, I told them, in fact, no, in the case of Luke, it started right from the, from, from the first verse. Luke 17, verse 1. It is impossible that no offenses should come. There will always be offenses. Husband and wives, there will always be offenses. Brethren in church, there will always be offenses. I get amazed when people call me. I see I had that kind of phone call this week. I'm not going to come to that church again. I'm not going to come that way because um, the way somebody is treating me, I don't like it. And until, until um, that changes, I won't come to church again. You have not read your Bible. You have not read your Bible. And you are thinking wickedly. You are not thinking like God. There will always be offenses. If, if I allowed offenses to rule or to dominate me, like that person, that kind of person that says I won't come to the church because somebody offended me, I won't be a pastor of this church. Do you know how many times people in this church offend me? <laughs> I, you would look, if you start counting offenses, you will not be able to do what God is telling you to do. And the reason why you are allowing offenses dominate your actions is because you are thinking wickedly. Again, we are not abusing you here when we say wicked, when we say lazy. We looked at the Bible definition of lazy on Wednesday. In fact, as I shared it, I know many people didn't like it. So let me just say it again. Maybe it will help somebody. He said if you can't plan ahead for your future, you're a lazy person. So it's not just the guy that wakes up at 12 noon in the afternoon. Is the person that from September, we are stepping into the final quarter of the year now. He can't plan for what he wants to say at the end of the year. He said, look at the ant. You saw God. Provides his meal in the summer. So that in the winter, he's not hungry. It is mental laziness. Hallelujah. Now, that doesn't mean if you ever came into a season in your life that you are not prepared for, you should now condemn yourself. Because you know, sometimes when we teach things, people don't really understand the core of what we are teaching. How many people have ever come into a season that you are not ready for? Raise your hand. I mean, all of, it happens to all of us. But that's the definition of laziness. Now, when you hear that, does that mean you should now start feeling bad about yourself or condemn yourself? No. Learn. Hallelujah. That's how to deal with it. Understand that this is laziness, a problem you can't define, you can't solve it. It means there's something you ought to have done. There's something you ought to have known. There's something that you've not practiced. And then, oh, thank God, there'll be another three months. There'll be another six months. This time, by the grace of God, I will be more better prepared. And then you pray. You now have a prayer point. You can see a place or an aspect of your life where you seem to be struggling. You pray. Hallelujah. And then God will help you. Amen. Let me move on. That's what we talked about on Wednesday. Hallelujah. So he said offenses will come. Verse 2, it will be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck, the person that brings offenses. Hallelujah. So verse 3, take heed to yourselves. And please, what I want you to see, why I'm reading these few verses, I really don't have that much time, but I want you to see something here. He's teaching how to behave in the context of our relationships, every kind of relationship. You and your boss, you and your other colleagues at work, you and your spouse, you and your children, you and your brethren in church, you and your neighbors at home. Hallelujah. He's teaching how we ought to conduct ourselves and he's defining the people in the, in, in, in the relationship as servants. Defining them as servants. Hallelujah. So he said, take it to yourself. If your brother sins against you, what should you do? Rebuke him. If he repents, that's fine. If he doesn't repent, what, he taught, what we read in Matthew chapter 18. Go and call other people to try and make peace. Hallelujah. Then Peter now said, when he told them, forgive them, this is what Luke brought out that Matthew did not bring out. Peter said, when, 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 you, when, when, when you tell us to forgive him 490 times, he said, God, increase our faith. You know, we, you know, we, we, we do these kind of things that we try to push the responsibility on God. When... We are taught things he wants us to do. That could have been valid under the Old Testament. In the New Testament, that's no longer valid. Hallelujah. Because the Holy Ghost now lives inside of you. Tap your neighbor and say, I have what it takes to forgive my brother and my sister. Increase our faith. Jesus now told them, look, it's not a matter of me increasing faith. Watch what he said here. He said, um, if you have faith as a mustard seed, glory be to God. You will be able to do what I'm telling you to do. 
Then watch this, verse 7. And which of you having a servant? So, and this is why we are teaching this. Plowing and tending sheep will not say to him when he comes from the field, come at once, sit down and eat. Then after he has done that, you will tell the servant to cater for all your needs. That's how you use a servant. When your servant has worked for you in the field, he works for you in the house. Iron the cloth I'm wearing tomorrow. Clean the car I'm going to ride tomorrow. Then after the servant has taken care of you, the servant can now go and take care of himself or can, can rest. And Jesus said that that's how you should use faith. You, you keep your faith working. You don't, the, the point here, talking about faith, is that you use faith until you get the results, until faith finishes the work, like a servant will finish the work. Nobody gives space a servant or tells a servant to go and rest on the servant has done what you want the servant to do. Can somebody shout a loud amen to that? But look at what he now said in verse 10. So when he described, watch this, he described how you use a servant and he said that's how to use faith. He now said this in verse 10, so likewise you. Tap your neighbor and say, so likewise you. In other words, the way a servant behaves is the way I expect you to behave. Tap your neighbor and say you are a steward. And please keep this in context of what he's teaching here. You are a steward of the relationship God has given you. And what I expect you to do in that relationship is to love the people that you are in relationship with. Forgive them when they offend you. That is how you serve and manage your relationships. Can I hear a loud amen? amen. And you are expected to serve in that relationship. So likewise you... When you have done all those things that are commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. This is how you should think in a relationship. This is how you should conduct yourself in a relationship. This is how you should behave in a relationship. We are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty. We are only doing what God expects us to do. We are only doing what God commands us to do. It's not a matter of give me more faith. Hey, my faith is not like that. Pastor T, I've had people tell me things like that. When you teach things like this, they will say, oh, I'm not a pastor like you. My faith is not as strong as you. No, hey, it's not about that. You see, when you talk like that, you are thinking like a wicked person. Again, what is wicked? You are not thinking like God. And the problem is you are not thinking like a servant. Glory be to God. When you employ, many of you are employees here, your boss will not pay you at the end of the month if you don't do what he requires you to do. Is that correct? You think that's the same way you should think? Do what I ask you to do. Praise the Lord. And you are not going to get paid or you are not going to rest or you are not going to retire at the end of the day or the end of the week or the end of the month or the end of the year if you've not done what I told you. We will keep you out in the field. Until you finish the job. If I tell you to clean my car, you are not going to stop until you finish cleaning that car. Glory be to God. And he's saying that that's how you should think. In relationships. And that means you should forgive. And the core thing here is he was teaching us to forgive. Praise the Lord. Are you getting this this morning? Most Christians have not mastered how to steward and manage their relationships well. And it's a big reason why they are not prospering as they ought. Offended are who they ought not to be offended with. Offenses will come. Offenses will come. But Jesus is telling you, don't let them rob you of your relationships. In a relationship, think like a servant. Understand, we defined what stewardship is. Understand what the will of God is. God wants you to love your brother. God wants you to forgive your brother. And you continue forgiving and forgiving and forgiving until your love and forgiveness has won over the person. You stay there no matter how long it is because that's what servants do. Servants don't retire until they get the job done. Glory be to God. They keep doing it and doing it until the master is satisfied. That's when a servant gets rewarded. And that's how you are to handle relationships. Oh, hallelujah. Luke 16, finally this morning. Let me close with this one. And we read this last week. This is the parable of the talents. 
But watch again the core of what Jesus taught in the parable. So, the master from verse 1, and it's amazing, all these things are parables about how the kingdom of God operates. I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind will be bound. This is how you are to think, hallelujah. This is how you are to live life. Please, that's why I'm teaching these things, so live life like this. Don't forget what I'm teaching you. I will say this thing again. Many people, your life will be better if you will just hear what I'm teaching you and start living it and start practicing it. This is how to live so that you can have heaven on earth. In your relationships, see yourself as an unprofitable servant. Do you know how people leave this relationship and say, that ah, this relationship is not paying me. Let me go and look for a relationship that will pay me. You are a wicked guy. That's not how to think. It's not about the relationship that is paying you or not. It's how, what can I serve in this relationship? Oh, hallelujah. And that's when you just see the hand of God bring prosperity upon your life in that relationship. Luke 16. Let me quickly close because of time. So the, we, we read this last week, so I won't go again reading everything. The, the master found out that the servant was stealing. So he said, render an account. I'm going to sack you. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Verse 3. Then the steward said within himself, what shall I do? My master is taking the stewardship away from me. I cannot dig. I am too ashamed to beg. I'm ashamed to beg. Watch. I have resolved what to do. That when I'm put out of the stewardship, they will receive me into their houses. And you know the story, if you're familiar with this. He started calling his master's um, customers. The one that owed $100, he said, pay $50. He had the authority to do that. The one that owed $50, he said, pay $20. He gave all of them favors. Hallelujah. Tap your neighbor and say, service your relationships. Service your relationships. Please watch this very carefully. He gave all of them favors. Hallelujah. And when the master had, verse 8, the master commended the unjust word. Please, divide the scripture very carefully here. He wasn't commending him because he was unjust. So don't go and say, I read in my Bible. Jesus commended unjust word. Me too, I'm going to go and steal from my boss. That is not what is being taught here. He was sacked for stealing. You too will be sacked for stealing. If his Bible you are reading. But what Jesus is teaching here is, even though he was unjust, and you see that in the next verse, he was smart. Hallelujah. So, verse 8, the master commended the unjust word because he dealt shrewdly. He dealt with that situation with wisdom. I'm about to lose my job. They have caught me. I've been stealing money that I've not received. But you know what? I'm going to use wisdom. What's the wisdom he employed? And that's what he's being taught here. He serviced his relationships. Did favors for all his master's customers. Cut down their debt. He had the authority to do that. Hallelujah. Because he dealt shrewdly for the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. And the teaching here is that you and I should be wise. We told you three things Jesus used in defining stewardship. Number one, you should be faithful, which means you should not steal your master's boss, your master's money. Can I hear a loud amen? amen? Number two, you should be wise, which is what is being emphasized here. And watch the wisdom that was employed here. Glory be to God. He serviced his relationships. Praise the Lord. And in verse 9, look how Jesus ended, or where I want to stop here, verse 9. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves with unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, hallelujah, it's an interesting, he didn't say if you fail. I wish I had time to deal with that. But watch this, when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. Listen to me, my brother, my sister, a time will come in your life, you are going to need people. No man is an island unto himself. You will always need people in this life. And one of the wisest things you can do is to learn to sow seeds of favor. Hallelujah. In the relationships that you find around yourself. Before the day of trouble comes. 
Sow seeds of favor. Forgive people that offend you. Don't let offense take over your heart. Hey, I'm angry with the brother. I'm not going to do it. People, I mean, I, I hear all that kind of stuff. That's not how to live as a Christian. And if you live that way, you won't prosper the way you ought to prosper. First of all, you should realize that God puts you in that relationship to prosper you. And God will only prosper you or you will experience that prosperity to the degree you ought to experience it if you can't think like a steward. Think like a steward. Serve those people. If anybody is going to get the raw end of the stick, let it be you. Hallelujah. Are you getting what I'm saying this morning? So look around you. Like I told you last week, inventory, the talents you have, the time God has given you, the resources God has given you, the abilities God has given you, and the money God has given you. Start serving. Find out God's will and start doing it. The same thing, inventory, the relationships you have. Who are you sowing favor into this week? Who are you helping this week? Or your own mindset is that, ah, I'm the only one that needs help. Let them help me. Mm. That's wicked thinking. Say with me, I reject wicked thinking. I can't hear somebody this morning. I reject wicked thinking. And I embrace kingdom thinking. I am a steward of my relationships. I forgive. I can't hear you say I forgive when I'm offended. And I sow favor at every opportunity that I have. So that when I fail, people will come and help me too. Praise the Lord. Steward your relationships. Let me close with this story. When, when Reverend K came, I, I went for some of the meetings he had outside town. And there's this story he likes saying every now and then, sometimes just about how we started um, when I met him. And he, he was telling somebody again. And when he was saying that story, the Holy Ghost just cleared it in my heart that I should teach some people or use this in your teaching this, this week. So those early days, I was the only one that had a car among all of us. Well, it wasn't really my car, it was my father's car, but at least he allowed me to use it. We just 20-something years ago. And any time Dr. K needed to travel, I'm teaching how to steward relationships. Go for a meeting out of Lagos. I would drive him. I will make the time to drive him. I was working, you know, I will create time, take time off work. I will drive him. I don't even think the church had started. The church had not started, not that I don't think. I don't started. Drive him, pay, use my money inside the petrol. Just drive him for the meeting. Okay, of course, yeah, it was my pastor and all that, and I would just do that. And it was in one of those trips when we, met to, when we went to Ife that I met Pastor Inda, and the rest is history. <clears throat> so when, when it was, so it was sharing that story with someone again this week, and, and I just said to myself, what if I had said, why should I drive him to Ife? I mean, I didn't know, I didn't know there was anybody, she wasn't even called Pastor Inda in those days, she was Shemu. I didn't know there was one Shemu in Ife that would be my wife. That word color and beauty to my life forever. But just in serving somebody I was in relationship with, glory be to God, prosperity that money can never buy. You know money can buy you a, um, can buy you a woman, but it can never get you a wife. You can, you can use money to buy a woman. You can even get a woman on the streets. But money cannot buy, there, there are limits. You see, that's so, when, you, when you think in the context of just unrighteous mammon, you can't enjoy it. Hallelujah. Now, listen, let me get to the nitty-gritty of it. Over the years of my relationship, okay, he has offended me many times. And I know I've offended him many times as well. We are not perfect. We are not perfect. And I'm even sure before I started driving him, or while I'm driving him, maybe he will have said something or done something that I didn't like. But I said, I'm not going to drive you again. I mean, it's my car. I didn't have to drive him. I didn't even have to give him an excuse. But I'm, I won't tell him. I said, we are busy at work. I can't go. Go and use... I caught somebody there because I know that's what you say. And you know, people do all these things because they don't think they're unprofitable stewards. They're not, they're not thinking. You don't think you're a servant. You don't. And particularly in the context of your relationships, you don't, you don't think that God puts you in that man's life to drive him to Ife when he needs to be driven to Ife. And unknown to you, God has a wife that money can never buy at the end. Oh, it doesn't have to be wife. Oh. It can be healing. Can I hear loud amen? It can be financial breakthrough. 
at the other end of your servicing people that you are connected to. Hallelujah. Rise up on your feet this morning very quickly. Lift those hands to heaven again. Come on, lift your hands to heaven and allow these teachings that we have had to settle into your heart. I'm a steward. I'm a steward. I'm a steward. And just talk to God this morning to open the eyes of your understanding once again. We've prayed this all month long. Pray it again this morning. All the relationships in your life. Who is that person you are angry with? Who is that person you have refused to forgive? What's that business deal you did that you thought you lost money? And rather than just serving the people, you have said to get angry, you're not even going to talk to them again. Come on, lift those hands to heaven and talk and just make a commitment to your relationships. You will be a steward in that relationship. You will be a steward. You're not going to be the one that is gaining, gaining, gaining or just looking out for your own, for your own benefit. You will be a steward in that relationship. Come on, talk to God. Talk to him. Every one of us here has relationships. That you are a member of this church means you have relationships. That you are a married person means you have relationships. In your office, relationships. Where you live, relationships. Who are you serving? Who has offended you that you have refused to forgive? Take up the heart of an unprofitable servant this morning. And just talk to God that, you know what, I let go of every hurt. I let go of every offense. And I'm going to sow seeds of favor like that shrewd servant did. I'm going to find someone I can help this week. No matter how little what I have is. Come on, talk to him. Talk to him. Let this thing sink into your heart. Get rid of every wicked thinking. Thinking that you, you are too big to serve other people. Or there's a reason why you can't serve other people. You don't have the time. Hey, they, don't, they won't appreciate me. Get rid of all those things under this anointing. And let the revelation of being a kingdom servant take root in your heart. If you've had anything we've taught all month long, your prosperity is connected to it. Your prosperity is connected to it. Jesus said at the end of that Luke 16 parable, we read it last week. If you are not faithful with unrighteous mammon, if you can't learn to use your money to serve other people, who will give you true riches? If you can't take your car and drive someone down to Ife, if you can't take your money and put petrol inside your tank and drive someone to Ife, who will give you true riches? Who will give you true riches? Who will give you a Proverbs 31 wife? That money cannot value. Who will give it to you? But I know people are here today just aligning their hearts to steward their relationships. Come on, one more minute. Open your mouth and pray. Pray for yourself. Renew your mind. Renew your thinking. Renew your understanding with these teachings we've had. I'm a steward. I'm a steward. I'm a steward of my time. I'm a steward of my life. I'm a steward of my talents and I'm a steward of my relationship. Somebody declare that with us this morning. I'm a steward of my life. Say it again. I'm a steward of my life. I'm a steward of my talents and I'm a steward of my relationships. Say this with faith. Say, I will use this life that I have and all the talents that I have to serve other people that God has put in my life. And say, I thank you, Father, as I serve that way, true riches, things money cannot buy, things money cannot do, will find their way into my life. In the name of Jesus. Come on, if you believe that, shout aloud, hallelujah. <laughs> Lift your hands and thank God for it. Come on, thank God for it right where you are. Thank God for it, thank God for it, thank God for it, thank God for it. Now you're going to do something this morning. Look for one neighbor. Hold them with two hands. Maybe someone beside you. Preferably not your husband or not your wife. So if you're sitting with your spouse, look for somebody else. Look for one neighbor this morning. And you're going to serve that person with your prayers this morning. You're going to serve that person with your prayers. We are stepping into the final quarter of the year. You're going to pray for that person. Prosperity like you have never seen it before. If I just open your mouth and begin to pray for that person. Peace like you have never experienced it before. 
If you can't find one neighbor, maybe three of you can hold hands together just in case in that place you can't find a second person. Pray for that person. Serve that person this morning. Sincerely from the depth of your heart, desire the well-being of that person. Be good of that person. Desire that it will be well for that person. Prophesy speed this final quarter into the life of that person. By this time tomorrow, the miracles you desire, they will have manifested in your life in the name of Jesus. Prophesy promotion. God will lift your head. This final quarter of 2018 that we are crossing over tomorrow, God will lift your head. You will not end this year on the level that you started it. Promotion will be your portion. Prophesy explosion into that person's life. You're going forward. You're going forward. You're going forward. You're going forward. And it will be a multiplication. A geometric kind of increase. A two times two or three times three increase. Not a three plus three increase. A ten times ten increase. Not a ten plus ten increase. One more minute. Bless that person from the depth of your heart. From the depth of your heart. Bless that person from the depth of your heart. This final quarter, these last 90 days, they will be your best days. Pray for wisdom for that person. Wisdom to embrace the worship. Wisdom to serve. To be a blessing to other people. Pray for that person. In the name of Jesus. Come on, leave those hands and thank God. Now thank God for your own self that this final quarter will be my best quarter. I will finish well. That's the theme of our pursuit for this last quarter. Finish well, finish well. In the areas where you have struggled up until now, God will make a way for you. I will finish well. I will finish well. Come on, thank God, thank God. Ten more seconds, thank Him. In the name of Jesus. Please take your seats for a few minutes. Let me just exhort you before we go into Thanksgiving. We've themed this service, Joy is Here. And I want you to understand that, number one, joy is a spirit. We've shared that over and over in church. Joy is a spirit, so it's not based on my circumstances. I can choose to be joyful even when I'm in the pit. Even when I'm in Potiphar's house as a slave and even when I'm in prison. Joseph was a Bible mentor we use in our study of prosperity this month. Joy is a spirit. Number two, joy is an attitude. You should know that. So I can look at your face and see whether you're a joyful person or not. You know attitude shows on your face. Joy is an attitude. And you need to really develop that spirit of joy and that attitude of joy. In fact, when we say joy is a spirit, that's really what we are referring to, that it's an attitude. So we're not saying that there's Holy Spirit here, then there's another spirit called joy. No. The spirit of joy is inside the spirit. Glory be to God, the Holy Spirit. Amen. But you see, when we say it's a spirit, we are telling you that it's inside your spirit, man. So you can be in prison and still be joyful. You can be broke in your accounts and around you and still be joyful. Your body can be broken and still be joyful. Can I hear loud amen? amen? But this is the main thing I want you to catch this morning, or God wants you to catch, particularly as you go into this final quarter of 2018. Number three, joy is an atmosphere. Joy is an atmosphere. And God told me to tell somebody this morning, if you are going to prosper as you ought, and that will be your story in Jesus' name, Amen. you need the right atmosphere around you. I have a word of love for somebody this morning. God said that atmosphere you have been carrying around, you cannot prosper in that atmosphere. 
You know some fruits cannot be grown in this part of the world, this tropical part of the world. And the same way in, in the northern hemisphere or southern hemisphere, other parts of the world, there are some fruits we have here that can never grow there. Why? The atmosphere is not conducive. The atmosphere for prosperity is an atmosphere of joy. You owe it to yourself. If you are truly interested in prosperity, who is interested in prosperity here? I can't hear you. Who wants to remain on the same level here? Raise your hand. Who wants to go to a higher level here? I mean, maintain an atmosphere of joy. Understand that you have the spirit of joy. If you are born again, hallelujah. The fruit of the spirit is inside of you. See to it that you have an attitude of joy. Um, James chapter 1 verse 2. Count it all joy. Glory be to God. When you fall into various trials, that is the attitude. Then maintain an atmosphere. Glory be to God. Don't allow the negative things going around in the nation or in the world or around even your life. Dampen the atmosphere around you. Look, if your home is dull, if you are here, and I'm speaking to couples now, and that home, everything is dull, there's no excitement. When you get home today, the spirit of rejoicing that we are going to demonstrate now, take it into that house. You can't see prosperity in that home if the atmosphere is dampened. Joy is the atmosphere for prosperity. Hallelujah. Your mind cannot be creative and cannot even receive from heaven as it ought if there's no joy. If there's no joy. Joel 1 and 12 again. We've read these scriptures over and over again. Joel 1 and 12. The vine has dried up. The fig tree has withered, the pomegranate tree, the palm tree also, the apple tree, all the trees of the field are withered. In other words, every aspect of my life, things are not happening, and this is the conclusion. Surely, prayer has withered away, no. Surely, uh, money has withered away, no. Surely, fasting is no longer there, no. Look at what he said, surely joy has withered. Joy is the atmosphere for the fruits to come out. If joy is taken, there can't be fruit. There can't be prosperity. Say with me, that will not be my portion in Jesus' name. So what do you do? Habakkuk 3.17 is what you do. So that you won't end up with Joel 1.12. Two scriptures. I mean, you should know this by now. But in case you don't have it, take it down. Joel 1.12, when everything is dry, is because joy has departed. But this is what to do. Habakkuk 3.17, though the fig tree may not blossom, nor the fruit of the, um, be on the vines, the labor of the olives may fail, the fields yield no fruit, the flock are cut off from the fold. Verse 18, yet I will rejoice. Hallelujah. Things have not happened the way I want them to happen, but thank God I have one more quarter in 2018. Somebody shout, yet I will rejoice. The letter has not come, the promotion has not come, the spouse have not come, the children have not come, but somebody, let me hear you. It's the atmosphere. Atmosphere for prosperity. Second Kings 3.15, I will close with this. There was a lot of tension in the nation, just like we have tension in our country now. Tension in the land. And a king actually died, his son took over. Then the Moabites that were subject to um, one of the provinces of Israel then, that used to submit to the father that died, they now rebelled. So they had rebellion on their, on their hands. And nations had gathered to fight them. So they were going to go to war. And Joshua told them, is there not a prophet we can inquire of? When they came to Elisha, he didn't like the king of, Elisha was, I mean, Joshua was the king of Judah, the, the, the king of Israel then, he was an idol worshiper. So it was a very tense atmosphere, very tense meeting. Elijah told him, I won't even talk to you if not for Jehoshaphat. If you read the whole story in 2 Kings 3. But he now told them something powerful in verse 15. Bring now a musician. Let us change the atmosphere. The atmosphere in that meeting, the atmosphere over the nation. Then it happened when the musician began to play. As the psalmist began to praise God and rejoice and give thanks the hand of the Lord came upon Elisha and he spoke the word of God to us, to them. 
and everything changed for good. Things will change for good in your life this season. But listen, God told me to tell you, you need to change the atmosphere around you. Hallelujah. Change the atmosphere in your home. Change the atmosphere in your mind. Change the atmosphere of your soul. Glory be to God. And what do you do? Sing, dance, praise. Bring a musician. Glory be to God. Get some powerful worship songs. Play them over and over again. And rejoice and sing and dance and praise before God until the atmosphere around you changes. Glory be to God. Then you will hear from God. And the hand of God will come upon you. Hallelujah. And I tell you, if the hand of God comes upon you, you will prosper like never before in this final quarter. In fact, that's what I see happening for you in the name of Jesus. Rise up on your feet this morning. We're not going to have that much time in the service. That's why I wanted to teach you and instruct you on this thing. Say, please come up. We'll go as far as we can, but you take this spirit home with you. Protocol, please come and move my pulpit for me. Lift your hands and just begin to magnify God. As the musicians come this morning. So listen, this is the instruction. In the few minutes we are going to use to praise God, and even after you leave the service. Your goal is not just to sing, you should sing. Your goal is not just to, to dance, you should dance. Your goal is not even just to rejoice, you should rejoice. Can I hear a loud amen? But your goal is to change the atmosphere around you. Hallelujah. Say with me in the name of Jesus, as I begin to praise this morning, and for the rest of this year, the atmosphere around me is an atmosphere of joy. I receive an atmosphere of prosperity which is the atmosphere of joy all around me and as i sing and as i praise please catch that text second kings 3 15 the hand of god comes upon me come on declare that the hand of god comes upon me and i don't go back the same way i came leave those things and magnify him this morning come on give him thanks May the atmosphere change over this nation, over this city, over our homes, over our businesses, over our marriages, even as we rejoice. Remember, as we begin to sing and dance, you can dance to the altar if you want. Those of you that are dedicating babies, you can wait at the back. When it's time, we'll invite you forward. Somebody give the Lord a shout. The preceding message was brought to you by King's Word Everywhere, Nigeria. We are located at Kingsword Auditorium, Etel Avenue, behind NNPC Filling Station, First Bank Bus Stop, off Kudarat Abiola Way, Argun, Lagos. Email kmiafrica at kingsword.org. Telephone 234-810-00-006-40.